Wednesday. Happy hump day. I hope you guys are having an amazing week so far. My week has been productive and really happy. I think I think those are the two words we're going to use. Um, This past weekend, I met up with my best friend and we were catching up on life. And we do this thing called gin and gist, which is like, it's just us going out to eat drink and talk and (laughs) the name is just so catchy maybe someday I'll turn it into like maybe a video series or something and it was nice it's always nice to catch up with people and on Sunday I went to karaoke with some of my other best friends actually these friends I think I've spoken about them before but are friends who I've had since maybe seven years old and we've all stayed in contact we've stayed really close and as of lately we've been making a monthly well making it a plan to meet up at least once a month to do something all together there's I believe seven of us and it's really interesting because um I was talking with one of them about the privilege that it is to actually have a group of friends who have withstood the test of time and what I could pull from it is the fact that we all have really good characters because as you grow up and life happens and things like that, things will pull you apart. It's just a part of life. But to be able to maintain a positive relationship with a group of women, men, whatever, but these are all ladies, um, with a group of ladies for so long, you've gone through elementary school, middle school, high school, university, different. And the thing is that we were separated for a lot of this, like people were going to different schools. I moved away. But it just shows that at the core of who we all are, which is our baseline personality, as I'd call it, we've kind of, that's where we have that connection and that mesh so that the things on top like work, life and things like that do not stop or hinder us from being able to have a bond like we did when we were in middle school. But yeah, it makes me really happy and I'm super grateful, as I always say about the people who I have in my life, because it's truly a blessing and I don't take it lightly at all, especially when you realize that a lot of people don't have the ability to have multiple, if not hundreds of people to call on at any given moment who they know without a shadow of a doubt will offer any type of assistance that they can. So yeah, it's really a blessing. Um, outside of my soppy emotional stuff, I hope you guys had a chance to meditate on the words to live by for last week, which were don't weaponize your gifts. And the one main takeaway that I take um, that I could really pull from this was that usually weaponizing your gifts is unintentional. And that is the reason why it's important to be very mindful. There's very few people who I think will be like, I know your weakness and my strength. Well, let me not say very few people, but in positive relationships, let's put it like that, because of course there's abusive relationships, dominating all of that horrible stuff. But in positive relationships, it is very possible and very common to still weaponize your gifts against someone if they don't have the same gifts as you. So because of the fact that it's usually unintentional, it it becomes that much more important to be mindful. And I find that the best way to be mindful of that is to be aware of what your gifts are. Like, is it talking? Is it getting to the point quickly? Is it making connections faster than others? And then now on the contrast side, taking what the strengths and weaknesses of the 
that person or the people in your life are and see how yours might be well how would i put it how yours may clash against their their weaknesses so your strengths may clash against their weaknesses and how your strengths may overwhelm them just based on the fact that that strength of yours is a weakness to them and in doing that it just makes you much more considerate and more like less likely to end up weaponizing your gifts against someone yeah so I really hope that helps that was one thing that from a conversation that I had with a friend as I said that really really stuck out to me in the middle of her talking about it I legit pulled out my phone and wrote it in my notepad because I'm like this is this is some gold. <laughs> this is some really good stuff. But I'm going to get right into our talk for this week. Hopefully it's not a long one. It's something that I'm quite passionate about. And it took me a while to write this because in writing it, more ideas kept coming to my head and I had to rewrite it because I felt like I needed to touch on as many important points as possible without making this way too long and without bombarding you guys with information so to figure out the balance of how exactly i was going to put this together took a bit but here we are so this week's talk is going to be about social anxiety um so i'm for those of you who are on social media or like into r&b music as of like the as of recently, especially this summer, you might know uh, a singer named Summer Walker. So Summer Walker is an amazingly talented R&B singer. And a few weeks ago, she actually came out and said that she was canceling her tour. First of all, she came out with an album this past summer. Amazing, amazing, amazing work. So everybody is on it, interested in seeing what she's doing. She's winning awards, all, all that good stuff. So she planned a tour. I'm sure it was probably nearly sold out at most of the locations but she now came out and said that she was going to cancel parts of her like certain legs of her tour or couldn't continue because she suffers from social anxiety and in doing this it became more evident well once she admitted this she became the butt of a lot of jokes um there was a lot immense 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 backlash and a lot of criticism and insensitivity to her and who she is like she was at the soul train awards and she took a picture and she was like standing really still like it was awkward and as someone who myself is very very awkward and socially awkward um it's something that i can totally relate with but the just the reaction to her and what she's going through and the way it's been taken just kind of ignited me to have to have this conversation because there are certain things that I'm very passionate about and mental health and especially as it pertains to black women is one of those things because there's just a lot of stigma around it and I'm going to get more into it but before I just go off on a tangent on this already long episode um, I just want to give you guys the definition I found it online I'll put a link to it below because in case you guys want to read the whole article. So um, social anxiety or social anxiety disorder, um, abbreviated to SAD, is intense, anxi- intense anxiety in social or performance situations. People with social anxiety may worry about acting or appearing vis- visibly anxious or being viewed as stupid, awkward, or boring. And this is just, this is a, 
very serious and real reality for a lot of people that I feel is often misconstrued. And I think it's important to talk about mental health, especially as it pertains to black women, because it's black women are kind of put in a box and the way thing and certain attributes and attitudes are not widely accepted when they're coming from us and they're often misinterpreted. So, um, the way I found it is that mental health awareness is on the rise. Like, I'm not going to deny that if you're from Canada, there's bell, let's talk day. People are talking about their depression, postpartum, all manners of things like the narrative and the discussion about mental health is becoming much more open and much more visible. People are posting about their issues and doing all these things. But with that being said, black people are still really behind the curve. And this is for multiple reasons. Although this conversation for the most part is going to be about black women and how social anxiety um, is perceived pertaining to them, it's important to talk about how mental health is perceived in the black community. And this could be black Canadian, black American, African, Caribbean, African descent, diaspora in general. And the reasons why I feel we're behind the curve is not just because of, it's three reasons um, particularly. One is culture. And this goes back to African parents. Like I have African parents and I'm, I've been around a lot of African parents where if you're going through something sad, they'll say, pray about it, get over this. And I know it happens in the black community a lot. There's this culture of weakness being a horrible thing and to speak, to express your weakness or your sadness or anything that doesn't show you as being strong and tough is seen as taboo. And what that does is put us in a place where people are feeling these things because regardless of whether you talk about it or not, you're feeling what you're feeling. But what it now does is bar us from getting the assistance needed to actually solve these problems that are not just, uh, don't mind her. She's just having a day. It could be depression. It could be bipolar disorder. It could be many, many things. The other reason why we're behind sometimes is because of resources. Um, historically low income societies are not going to pay for a therapist at $250 an hour, $150 an hour when there's other things that you want to pay for. And because of the culture as well, you're not going to even think it's a priority to allocate resources towards these things because it's just a one-off. You'll get over it, pray about it, talk to a friend. Yeah. You're just, you're just being dramatic, whatever it is. And then society comes along with it in the third in the third aspect because of the fact that black people are perceived in a certain way. And this could be a self-fulfilling prophecy. It could be stereotypes from society, but black people are perceived to be uber strong and unfazed by a lot of things. It's like constantly unfazed is the motto, but realistically we're not constantly unfazed. And what I find is that these three factors, so culture, resources, and society make it even, um, bear a load on black women a lot because we're expected to kind of play a role and that role often excludes a wide range of emotions especially when those emotions are in line with stere 
are not in line with the stereotypical views that have been put on us by society or the pressures that have been put on us by our families or our cultures. And um, in my book, Through My Brown Eyes, I actually had a poem that touched on this. Um, so I'm just going to read it to you guys. It came from my sister and I having a conversation about, um, like, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was about emo emotions and the fact that some people, like, especially white people and white women are, when they cry, people are just soft and tender to it and their tears hold weight but and I forgot what exactly what happened but my sister was like maybe we should start crying too so um this is page 87 in my new book through my brown eyes maybe if we started crying all the time people would realize that we are soft too and that we need support too and that our backs are tired of carrying these loads alone if we really don't have to or maybe if we started crying, they would ignore us or just tell us to suck it up. And that is exactly what I feel happens when black people, black women are like, like Summer Walker are in situations where they express something very candid, very personal in a very public space. Maybe hope, hopefully to, I don't feel like when she posted about it, let me just say this. I, I think even in one of her posts, she's she literally said, I'm not doing this to get attention or to make you guys feel bad for me. I want you guys to understand me. So to come from a place of serious vulnerability in general, because expressing yourselves publicly to millions of people is vulnerable. Add to that the fact that you already have an illness that makes you sensitive and anxious to now put it out there as a way of maybe allowing people to understand you better and see where you're coming from and maybe not pre like judge you negatively only to have it backfire and them judge you negatively on what you said is just a slap in the face. And it's, it's very difficult and it's something that I'm sure makes, makes it hard on many, many different people. And for me personally, I used to have a lot of anxiety. Like now I've, calm down a lot and because of the way I'm built I'm like super <laughs> I'm emotional but not expressive of those emotions so I would be kind of going through that anxiety by myself like things would make me nervous and I wouldn't really express it to anyone and social things and I am a self-proclaimed awkward human being and some people if you know me well you'll know that yeah I'm ridiculously awkward but it's just who I am and I've just learned to accept it and this anxiety and this awkwardness is actually one of the reasons why I decided I wanted to podcast as opposed to YouTube. I'd say probably over a decade ago, maybe 14 years ago. Yeah, give or take. In high school, I posted a YouTube video in grade nine of me singing and I recorded it maybe 70 times and I did it in black and white because I was nervous. I had actually planned to just put a voice recording and not put my face up. And I posted and I got a lot of good feedback. And then maybe a week later, I got nervous that it was getting too many views and I deleted it. And it's weird because I'm not that 14 or 13 year old girl anymore, but I still feel those things. And even wanting to start this podcast, I, I had been talking about it from January and it took me until maybe May, I believe. Yes, I started it in May for me to actually get it out there. And this is just me behind a mic. You guys don't even see my face. You don't even have to know what I look like if I never posted my picture. But 
it's that fear of being judged or being seen as less than that just kind of hinders and blocks. So um, I'm just going to get into talking a little bit about um, certain perceptions with social anxiety as it pertains to black women. And one thing I need to say before I say that is that we are all very multidimensional beings and to try and rectify the complexity of us based on your limited worldview or understanding is a very, very dangerous thing. And it's one of those things that we all do because when you see something that you don't understand, you need to kind of come to terms with it in a way that you can understand or justify. But in doing that, a lot of times we, we put people into boxes that they don't belong in, or we don't give them the benefit of the doubt when they deserve it. And these views are the reason why social anxiety with black women is called everything but an illness. And Summer Walker came out with an amazing, amazing album body of work this past summer. And the accolades she got for that were, were in my opinion, a little overshadowed by all the talk of her. I, my cousin had told me, oh, there's this R&B artist you'll really like, whatever. I had listened, but then going on social media after, people who might have not even listened to her album would have found out about her because she was constantly being talked about. So could you imagine feeling uncomfortable and anxious, putting it out there, and now because of what you put out there, people are constantly talking about you and judging you. That is just adding unnecessary fuel to the fire. So what I wanted to do is just talk about a few like give a few explanations and discuss a few misguided phrases that are often said with regards to black women, especially when it comes to social anxiety or social disorders and how just, just how they're perceived and things. Some of these I've heard, some of these people around me have said, probably some of these I have said about people because you know, we're growing. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm this perfect stand, stand up, well aware of person I haven't always been that person I'm not even fully there yet like I told you guys about my petty bone and how it itches every so often and makes me forget all the good training that I'm trying to implement into making myself a better person so the first statement that's often said is fix your face like <laughs> this is triggering like I just think about it all the time it, and the one thing I have to say about fix your face or she needs to fix her face is that we as black women and human beings in general are not caricatures. Emotion is fluid. It goes up and down. And it's interesting because especially with black women, a straight face is automatically attributed to having a bad attitude. And that's not the case. How many, if I walked around smiling every day, like Dusty the Clown, how many of you guys would, would not think I'm crazy? There's absolutely nothing wrong with having a serious face. And yes, I guess you can say it's RBF, but unfortunately not everybody's calm and rested face still, still reads, approach me, I'm friendly. And there's nothing wrong with that. If my face rests in a position that makes you feel uncomfortable with it, you need to ask yourself why why my face is such a big concern to you. Because this whole fix your face thing is sometimes you sitting down with a group of people and that one annoying guy will be like, ah, you should smile. Why Why should I smile? What, like, sir, what exactly is the reason why it's necessary for me to smile in this moment? We're having a discussion about broccoli at the table 
and you're like, oh, you should smile more. It looks good on you. But you know what else looks good on me? Whatever I feel like doing. And it's this whole thing that we need to play a role, you know? We need to constantly be like this. You need to police yourself to make people feel uncomfortable. And that, oh my gosh, that could be a whole nother episode about walking into a place and being the only black person and making sure that you're smiling so that people don't perceive you as being rude or having an attitude. It's all just ridiculous. But yes, fix your face is is stupid. We're not caricatures. And just because my face is straight does not mean that I'm upset. It just means that it's not a smiling moment and that's that's okay. Most of us don't sit around smiling all the time. And if we do, people will judge you even worse. <laughs> so um, the other phrase that's often used for black women is the whole standoffish mentality. They always say, oh, she's standoffish, she's standoffish. As it pertains to social anxiety and mental health, being in the corner does not necessarily mean that you don't want to interact. Being in the corner sometimes means that it's hard to put yourself out there. And as somebody who is socially awkward at times and also socially anxious, like I can, I can think of vivid points when I used to work, um, in finance, you know, there's drinking, there's like on Fridays, especially in the summer, everyone would be in the, in an office of like one of the brokers drinking, having a good time talking after the markets are closed. And the worst part about this is that the brokers whose office they would go into were actually the brokers that I worked for. So they had a real big office. There'd be drinks, food, snacks, and I'm on their team. And this was probably soon after I joined their team. I had an amazing friend, May, who would call me her little bird because we were once on a team together, then we weren't. And when I was on the team of the people who were very social and would have these events, I'd everyone on my team, including lots of the floor, like there'd probably be like 20, 30 people in there would be in their office drinking and having a good time. And I would physically not be able to bring myself to go into the room. And it's not that they weren't friendly. They were extremely friendly, so nice, but I would just my mind would literally stop me from being able to enter into that space. I'd be thinking, well, what if I get in there and there's not a chair and then I have to stand awkwardly? Like, what if I'm standing in a space where people are trying to talk and then I'm in their way? What if there's not somewhere for me to stand and I'm just kind of looking around? What if there's conversations and I don't know how to jump into them and now now I'm just awkwardly there? What if I don't know what to do with my eyes so I'm just looking at the floor, I'm staring at someone? What if I don't know what to do with my hands? It And... This might sound crazy, but these are the thoughts that would constantly run through my head. And you know what those thoughts would do? They'd make me sit in my seat and pretend to do work, even though there was legit nothing for me to do. So my friend, she, I would ask her because she was one, and I'm going to get into comfort zones um, a few points down, but she was actually one of my comfort zones or the only comfort zone I had at the office for a long time. So I'm like, she's like, why don't you go in there? It's your team. They're having drinks, blah, blah. blah. And I'm like, I'm so nervous. So she's like, okay, let's go together because she was a little more, we're both bubbly, but she's a little more confident in that aspect of not being nervous to just enter into a space and get into the conversation. And the thing with me is that once I did get into the conversation, I was fine. So I would now, she would now take me into the room. We'd stand together. We'd talk for a bit. Maybe someone would come and talk with us. And as she sees that I'm doing okay, she would just kind of (laughs) leave and leave me there by myself. And at that point I'm more comfortable and I'd be fine. But someone looking from the outside who doesn't know me well would just look and be like, oh, that black girl standoffish. 
she doesn't even want to interact with people. She doesn't want to mingle. She just kind of want to be, she just kind of wants to be in her own space and everybody's here having a good time and she doesn't even want to be a part of it. And that's why it's important to, to be kind and considerate of people because these things can be perceived in one way. That's, um, exactly the opposite to what the truth is. Um, the third phrase that's constantly used is rude and guys i'm stressed (laughs) Uh, rude is just it's just what's it's the word that's used for black women when we're doing something that people don't understand when we're doing something in a way that is unaligned with what people think we should be or when we're doing when we're doing things in a way that's hyper hmm, that's exaggerated in people's minds based on stereotypes we're just considered rude and the whole rude concept, yes, there are things that are blatantly rude, but if I'm doing something in a way that you don't understand, people can people say that's rude. Like, let's go back to Summer Walker, the muse behind this episode. She canceled her shows because she felt uncomfortable and her social limit, as I've talked about in the past, had been reached. And people were like, that's so rude. They're like, that's so rude. Why would you, why are you canceling your show? Why would you even create shows if you know you can't even handle it? She's disrespectful. She's rude. And it's like, how is that rude? She didn't offend you guys. She actually even had the courtesy to come out and talk to you and explain exactly why she's doing what she's doing when easily she could have gotten her her team to put out a damn statement and she could have went into hiding and not talked to you. And when things, when we don't get things the way we want or they're not in line with our worldview. As I said, we, we justify them as rude because we're offended. And let me tell you guys something. This is, this is some words to live by. That's not even the words to live by for this episode. Just because you're offended doesn't mean anyone owes you an apology. And I think I've said that before, but like people feel just because you're offended by something doesn't mean it's justified. It, Someone doesn't owe you an apology because you got upset about something. Maybe you're being dramatic and maybe you're not looking at things the way you need to. So yeah, she, she said what she said. She's doing what she's doing. You consider it rude kick rocks, like point blank period. It's not rude. It's because you're not getting what you want out of it or you're not getting what you expected, you know? And it's important for us to really think and consider that. Um, the third phrase, the fourth phrase is liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> um, I feel that there's this whole concept and especially with Summer Walker, um, I think I read somewhere that she used to be a stripper and in some videos on her Instagram, she was twerking and people are like, you're cured. You're not, you don't even have social anxiety. If you had social anxiety, why would you be twerking? Blah, blah, blah. Um, if you had social anxiety, why would you be a stripper? People with social anxiety are not strippers. But you know what else? People on social media don't have PhDs in mental health and psychology. So there's that. <laughs> and it's interesting because when you tell someone that you're dealing with something negative, it could be depression. Like, And this is mostly pertaining to mental health. Um, you're dealing with depression, anxiety, serious feelings of sadness or whatever it might be. Anything that you do bold or outside of their limited understanding of the complexity of these things, you're immediately considered a liar or a pretender or an intention whore or whatever it is else it is that they want to call you. And this is something that's very, that's very dangerous because 
we don't we're closing off our minds to the fact that people are many things it's just like how you could be at home pissed off at your spouse pissed off at your family go to work and be smiling with your friends is is someone now going to say you're a liar and that those feelings you felt weren't justified no because sometimes there's a time and place for everything which leads me into my final point which is the fact that comfort zones are fluid and when I say comfort zones, I'm saying people, places, and situations. Just as I said earlier with my coworker who was a comfort zone of mine, taking me into a place that I felt anxious about and being there with me until I warmed up enough to be able to handle it on my own, that's a comfort zone, that's a person. Places can be comfort zones. For me, my house is my comfort zone. I could stay here all day long and never leave as long as there's food in the fridge, a Wi-Fi connection, and some stuff to watch on Netflix (laughs) and situations can also be our comfort zone. So there are certain situations where we flourish. Like for some people, they love writing essays, whereas they don't do person um, presentations. Well, some people like for me, one of my comfort zones in terms of situations is speaking, but I prefer to do um, talks in front of a large group of strangers than I do an intimate group of people who I'm close with. And that might sound irrational but that's just what it is like maybe I can have like two of my comfort zone people there like if my sister or my best friend is there that's amazing I'm happy I can talk in front of a thousand strangers but if it's maybe all of my family and friends all around even though I love and care about them and I know they respect me oh that's stressful like I get super nervous at that and sometimes our comfort zones are in line with our talents and passions and sometimes they're not and in the in the case of summer walker her talent is clearly music and singing and sometimes her comfort zone is not in line with that yes and people are like why would you become a singer if you didn't if you know you don't like people and why would you become why would you want to be famous you should have went into another line of work but sometimes fame and fame and things like this find us and she she loves singing. She's amazing at it. She's so damn casual. It stresses me out. Like, how do you hit those notes without even looking like your throat is <laughs> is tensioned? But that's besides the point. Um, our talents and our passions are sometimes not in line with the comfort zones that we have. And people will try and push themselves as much as humanly possible to align the two, especially when you see that that it's good you know um if she um she had a tiny desk performance and she didn't really talk much she was clutching a a teddy bear and at the end she's like I know you guys probably think that I'm not excited but I'm so excited I just have crazy social anxiety and what she did was put herself out there and her going on tour and planning a tour is a huge step But it's also important that sometimes we understand when we've pushed ourselves too far and be able to step back. And when people push themselves further than they're comfortable and have the maturity and the grace and the mental awareness to pull back from that and tell people that, guys, I've overexerted myself, that needs to be respected because very few people can do that. And that's why people end up in situations where they're extreme exhaustion, hospitalized, doing drugs, many different things to try and combat that fear. But to be able to say, no, this is my social limit. I love what I do and I love you guys, but for my, for the sake of my mental health, I can no longer do it. It needs to be respected. And yeah, people need to understand that not 
just because we want someone to do something doesn't mean that's the right time for them to do it. Just because we don't understand why someone can't do it doesn't mean they're not justified in doing what they're doing. And especially when it comes to black women and the issue of mental health and the issue of the fluidity of our personalities. All humans are fluid, multidimensional, but if today I feel comfortable in my house twerking and I happen to post it on social media and tomorrow you see me at the mall and I look you in the eyes and I look down and I don't talk to you, I'm, it's still me. Like <laughs> It's still me. It's just all the multi layers and the dimensions of what make us us. And it's important to understand that and have sim- sympathy for one another. So let's just all be kind to one another and understand that we're all on a journey trying to figure out everything out as we go and in understanding this and keeping this in the back of our mind it'll help us be a lot more sensitive and kind to people because it's not it's not easy to go through when your mind is playing tricks on you I don't know how else to put it I think that's probably the best way when your mind is telling you things and it has you it's physically expressing itself even whether it's logical whether it's rational or not it's physically expressing itself it's a very difficult place to be in and if we all just treat each other with empathy and understand that what we want from people may not be given to us and be okay with that because we're only accountable accountable for ourselves, it'll make things much easier. So yeah, that's that on that. And I'm just going to get right into the words to live by for this week, which are when it's time to jump, don't flinch. And I spoke about this in the talk on my Instagram page called Excuse Me Me. And it's just the fact that self-doubt is an unnecessary delay. And many times we want something so badly, but when it's presented in front of us, that self-doubt starts to kick in, that fear, all of that, um, all of those narratives and those voices that we hear in our head that try and stop us from doing what we need to do. But it's important to know that the the hesitation that we take when we know the hesitation that we listen to when we know we're supposed to be doing something can really lead to unnecessary delay in so many different ways. And I'm saying this after my talk on social anxiety, because I I'm trying to let you guys know that I know that it's hard. I know that it's not necessarily easy to jump into things, even if your heart is telling you yes, even if you know, it's something you really want, but we sometimes need to try and push ourselves outside of our comfort zone in in reasonable boundaries, especially when we're getting the urge to. Like, all of us have instincts and we know when we feel what we feel, you know? Whether we want to ignore it or not, that gut feeling is your instinct, it's God, it's your subconscious, whatever you want to consider it. But when it's telling you to make a move on something, try your best not to delay that move because delaying that move might be the cat you delaying the catalyst that would skyrocket you into exactly where you wanted to be with whoever you want to be with or doing exactly what you want to do. And you wouldn't want to now miss out on many opportunities that can come as a domino effect just because when you got the push, you flinched and you didn't just jump and dive. So yeah, thank you guys so, so much for listening. I hope you have an amazing week and I'll talk to you next Wednesday. Bye.